And you're very welcome along to this week's RTE Rugby Podcast, episode two of the new series and a mixed weekend in the United Rugby Championship for the Irish sides. Leinster scraping past against Zebra in the end, 33 points to 29 after a bizarre comeback in the second half by the Italian side. Cardiff beat Munster in the first game of the Graham Roundtree era, 20 points to 13 at the Arms Park. And then Ulster, big winners in the Derby on Saturday evening at Kingspan Stadium, 36-10 against Connacht. Connacht in South Africa this weekend where they're going to take on the Stormers. But they are going to have all of their frontline Ireland internationals back and available again. Delighted to be joined by Ian Keatley uh, this morning on the podcast. Ian, thanks a million for joining us. You're you're gearing up for a new uh, a new All Ireland League season in the next ten days or so. Your your first season as head coach at UL Bose. How's that all going? Yeah, well, there's been no game so far, so it's all going well. So I think everything's rosy always in preseason. So our first game is next week against Nina. Uh, so we're we're well prepared. It's working with a real, really great group of lads. Um, so hopefully, uh, the season follows a good trend. Is coaching something you you had in mind when you were finishing up, or have you fallen into it accidentally? No, yeah, I always had the the kind of plan. What when you're kind of a ten anyway, you're kind of you're kind of a little bit of a coach on the pitch anyway. Uh, or you like to think you are. You like to think you are. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, they listen to you. But um, now the way I see it, I've. I've been in rugby for the last, well, professionally nearly 13, 14 years, and I kind of have a lot of experience to give. So, uh, but listen, coaching, it, it's it's not an easy gig. Uh, you're trying to get, what, 40, 40 odd players all on the same page, all have different ambitions, um, and they all think about the game differently and they all learn differently. So, you're trying to, as a coach, is how do you get your message across to all those players, keeping it as simple as possible, but still being creative at the same time. And at Bose, do, do you have any, I mean, this is the research I probably should have been doing beforehand, but um, do, do, you, do you have many lads connected with the Munster Academy, things like that, that, you know, that are that are in touch with, with the provincial setup? Yeah, we have uh, Evan O'Connell, who is uh, oh, yeah. Paul O'Connell's nephew, so he's in the Munster setup now. Uh, we have uh, Conor Henshi, who's kind of came up to the uh, the rafters. Um, he, he actually captain present, wasn't it? Captain, yeah, captain present. But I think he's just got his leaving cert results, so he might be going up to Trinity in Dublin. Um, and obviously, we support education first. Um, and then we have uh, Ichi Oji, who uh, who's also come out of school from Ross Gray, so he's joined us. So there's a lot of um, young young players who are aspiring to be future uh, monster players. So kind of getting the chance to work with them uh, on a weekly basis is, is, is nice as well. All right, you're welcome back. So Bernard Jackman has joined myself and Ian Keatley for the remainder of this podcast. And Bernard, before you came on, I was talking to, to Ian there about uh, getting involved at UL Bowes, getting his coaching career up and running. Him, Sean Cronin is another of the recently retired now that's in the AL. Are we seeing more of these more of the pros going dipping their toes in the AAL after yeah. they retire. It's good for the league, all told. Yeah, no, we, we seem to be. Uh, uh, and ironically, actually, it's coming at a time when there's a shortage of coaches in the domestic game. I think at one stage this summer, there was 23 or 24 coaching positions advertised on the Leinster website for for, for Leinster domestic clubs. So it's great to see the likes of Ian and, and Sean Cronin um, getting involved. Danny Poolman, the former Connacht fullback, is, is coaching uh, with me and Bechtov. Um and lads really enjoy him. So yeah, no, the the more we get the the passing on the experience, the better. And you the you the you you the win to start your season there at the weekend. Yeah, we win against Mungstown. We last minute try. So um, 
look we take it you know um, you're often on the wrong side of those ones so uh, get off to a start but it's very early very early days the middle of September um, for amateur players yeah uh, we haven't had a big preseason put it that way so uh, I'm glad to get off you to know, you know when Birch wins because it's all over social media if they lose <laughs> there's nothing up there so <laughs> well we'll keep an eye I'm going to try and be more proactive this year and put it out regardless Keith <laughs> <laughs> well we'll keep an eye on yours anyway Keith's come 1st of October that's the first game against UL Bowes of the, the 2A season we'll get on to the URC guys because we had a, a few interesting results at the weekend and I, I think we'll start with um We'll start with Munster, just seeing as it was the first game of the the new era with Graham Roundtree and Birch. I think we had like you know we we'd been warned by the coaches for for a couple of weeks. Look, it is it is a process. It is going to take time. You said you said as much on Monday night when we were when you were chatting on against the head. Like this is this is going to be a process throughout the season. But if you were to look at the the game against Munster, how or the game against Cardiff at the weekend, how much of the mistakes that were made in that match were individual errors just just poor mistakes on the day from people who should like slipping off tackles like we saw Finney and Witcherly for example in the opening minutes for that first try and how much then was getting to grips with a new system just kind of errors that are born out of that so like how much are how much of those mistakes can be rectified fairly quickly and how much yeah. are things that are going to be worked on over the course of the coming months uh, I think they can all be rectified pretty quickly to be honest it's just getting time um, getting match practice I think some of the missed tackles um, or probably just lack of contact fitness um, for certain players and, and that happens we saw the same you know for Leinster against Zebra on characteristic errors and also the fact that you got new coaches who are obviously still trying to scramble for time it's for fans you know they, they hear about a 1-1 preseason or a 5-week preseason and they think that's lots of time but the reality is you're always fighting a battle as a defence coach you know, with your head coach, with the head of S&C, the head of medical, for time on the pitch. And sometimes you win them, sometimes you lose them. And I thought there was a couple of tries. Clearly the last try was just an example where, you know, Munster probably haven't spent enough time on their set-piece D in terms of understanding their, their spacing, etc. And you concede, you concede seven points. And that'll all be that'll all be fixed, you know. Um, so I wouldn't be too worried. I think some of the handling errors probably came, you know, with just lack of understanding of... of positioning and what to try and do an attack but you could see there was certainly a an ambition there to play and and that would be what Mike Prendergast would would preach but yeah I I think Cardiff probably improved a bit um their first game of the season um recruited obviously quite well and yeah just Munster weren't match ready do you think we get a closer idea of of what Munster will look like in the next couple of weeks when we have those internationals back on the pitch look obviously they're going to bring quality but the problem with the Irish system is um, and, and people don't really recognise this is that when the internationals who've been on a summer tour come back they their first game is a competitive game um, so they don't get those you know friendly games that everyone else gets so because of the quality it doesn't obviously be as noticeable but it is a bigger ask for them to go look at it it's an easy fixture um, it's probably one of the easier ones on the, on the schedule but um, it should be good enough to get through it but I wouldn't expect them to be um, at a hundred percent either yet they need to get you know game time they need to come up to speed with with what Mike's doing and what Graham is doing and what Dennis is doing and they've been away for for longer you know um having also been in New Zealand so it's um yeah I think I, I genuinely believe it'll take till after Christmas before we see you know Munster everybody knowing how they want to play and and you know building that Munster DNA under under Graham Roundtree and it's going to be different than it was under Johan. 
Ian, do we do we as the kind of casual fans do we underestimate the the level of rust that players might have in the, in those early season games? Well, as Bert said, it's a it's a completely new uh, coaching staff, and you're almost change. You're trying to change their habits that have been instilled in them for the last six seven years, probably playing under Razzie and under Johan van Grant. So, I know Roundtree and uh, Prendergast are trying to install install a new way of playing, and it's, you can't just forget the old ways. You still have old habits, which they're trying to do. And as Bert said, you only have six seven weeks to do that. Um. They, they didn't have their full full strength squad out against Cardiff. So hopefully we'll see a different performance now against Dragons. But there is definitely a little bit of confidence. They're lacking a bit of confidence. Obviously, they lost their two preseason games. Now they've lost against Cardiff. And they're running before Christmas. Uh, I, just, I just looked it up there. They've got six derby matches all against Irish Promises, which we all know <laughs> they are tough games uh, to get. So they, they need to get a, a win or two just get a bit of confidence going and then that will, you, you'll see them playing a lot more freely then once they get those wins under the belt but another one or two losses and then it's just it's just a confidence thing it's not true lack of trying it's not because they want but confidence is a, is a big factor in, in rugby and hopefully they can they can beat Dragons this weekend then they play Zebra then they've got Connacht and if they can get a bit of confidence going then I see you'll see that attacking monster come out a bit more that Prendergast is trying to instill in them yeah, and Birch, so they've dragons this weekend and look, I know you've you've had your experiences there and uh, down the years, but it it's never a good sign when you see the head coach like Dean Ryan coming out after their game at the weekend and after round one questioning the the work rate and desire of of players after a, a pretty dismal defeat against Edinburgh. No, and look at that. when you watch the game you can see why he was that frustrated. Um and unfortunately you know they've changed a lot of players, brought in a lot of players this summer. Decided to to spend their money differently, so they've they've shrunk their squad and they've tried to bring in quality. And they have they signed you know I think five or six internationals. Um, so obviously he was expecting something different. Um, didn't manifest itself on the pitch. Uh, once they went to behind, they you know they down tools. Uh, I think it's fair to say. And uh, you know I think he's I think he feels. He's probably he feels he has to challenge him because I, I think the, re- the reality is he's under a lot of pressure. Um, you know, there was a bit of player revolt last year, and he moved upstairs. Um, and there's a new head coach come in, Dyke Flanagan from Scarlets. Um, so you know, it's he's probably looking to get performances and results pretty quickly early in the season to um to settle everyone down and and, and that defeat and the nature of it. You know, it wasn't a great sign. So I'm really fascinated to see. I think he could probably challenge that group a little bit better, more because there is more internationals um, and more experience there. You know, the likes of, you know, Rob Evans and Will Rollins, Ross Moriarty. You know, they're not shrinking violets. So I, I think he's obviously sensed that, you know, well, maybe he feels that the coach has done everything right and um, it's up to the players to react. Uh, but I think if they get a hiding this week, um, it's a sign that things aren't right there. Yeah. yeah, when you call out players like that in the media, it can either go two ways. Either you yeah. get a really good reaction, which I'm sure that's the one that he's hoping for, or you can get the other reaction. So as Bernard there says there, if it goes the other way and you're calling them out in the media, you, you could lose them quite quickly. And yeah. is there, it, would there be part of it in the back of his mind then as well? I think, okay, like it's, it's Munster coming to town next weekend as well. They're probably going to have a far more, a, you know, a, a far better team like or sorry, they'll have 
a lot of their international players back available. They're going to be even better again. They'll probably have something to kind of to prove themselves as well after after a defeat last week. So there's, you know, it's challenging his players on a number of different levels. Yeah, no, he, his job is to try and get them in the right state of mind. And, and, and as Ian said, it's a gamble to do that. And that's why you don't see it being done very often. Um, and and the reality is, whatever's right or wrong would be decided on the reaction to it. You know what I mean? So um, has he been able to galvanize the group? Have they had those hard conversations? And are they able to take those on board and react You know, with a better performance? Or are they fragile mentally? Do they not believe in the plan? Do they not believe in the in the project? And you know, if they come out on 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 Sunday and and put in a you know a tepid display, um, it's going to be very difficult to to go with the with the carrot approach the week after. You know what I mean? You only really can do that once, I think. Um, and that's why it's that's why I think a lot of people are interested in in his comments. Um, but I suppose the I'm not really I I I think it's interesting as a as a technique, but I, I suppose I'm more interested in seeing the reaction and seeing did it work. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, gonna be very interesting to see how that all pans out on Sunday. So that's a three o'clock kickoff on Sunday afternoon. That's live on RT two. Dragons against Munster. Uh, Friday night we've got Leinster against Benetton. Uh, so Leinster coming in after what did the first half of their game against Ebra look like was going to be a pretty comfortable win, and it ended up being just a four point victory in the end, thirty three points to twenty nine. Ian, I suppose on one hand you have to kind of question. You know, Leinster's defense looked a little bit all over the place in the second half. They just they looked very, very rusty at times. But at the same time, it's all credit to Zebra, who, when they actually got the ball in their hands throughout that game, looked really, really dangerous and scored some lovely tries. Yeah, and it's, it kind of happens sometimes. Sometimes Leinster they got a, they obviously had the bonus point win under the in the belt. They 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 felt, and then Zebra go right. Let's start playing now, and you almost get that 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 freedom. They're like, okay, we've got nothing to lose now. Then they start playing a bit more, throwing the ball around a bit more. Things start sticking. They they played a, a nine to twelve out the back of thirteen to ten and a crossfield kick, which you don't really see very often. And it was lovely to watch. But um, they end up coming away with two losing bonus points. But just that's just that that freedom, like thinking that you have nothing to lose. And if you can actually, if you can actually try and start the game like that, try and play with that freedom. You'd be surprised what, what what you can do, but also with that freedom, with those crossfield kicks, they don't always stick. So that's why coaches sometimes come back and go, "Okay, we're a bit too loose now." But and then you—that's when mistakes come, and then you you can see tries without even without even doing anything. Well, without even defensively doing anything wrong. Um, so that's why teams get more conservative. But we see there, once that game was over, well, they felt it was over. They started playing with that freedom, and they looked very good, very creative. And um, it was exciting to watch Zebra play. We just need to see that a bit more often with trying to play with that with that freedom. Yeah, and I suppose the flip side then, Birch, is it's hard to see that level of complacency creeping in with Leinster this week, this Friday against Benetton. Yeah, and I, I think Leinster are bringing back a lot of um, you know experience this weekend, and it'll be their first time. But um, I wouldn't be too worried about. It. I think Leinster treated that match against Zebra as their second preseason game, and you know, realistically, Leo got five points. Um, okay, there was elements that would concern you, but if you if you understand how match shy they were, um, I think you could you could see, and I think Zebra improved. Zebra brought in some some good foreign players, um, and they had a bit more about them. So, 
Leinster would have been very impressed by what um, Treviso did to, to Glasgow. You know, they've always been the best Italian team for for a long time. They had one year there where they, they slipped off a little bit, but in general, they've been competitive. And uh, it's home in the RDS, and um, they'll be looking to, to put in a much better performance. And I think they will. I think they will. I think, you know, the personnel that's going to play this weekend, plus the fact that, you know, they're... Um, they, they're coming off what they would perceive as being a mixed performance. Generally, they don't have two of those in a row. Yeah, on Benetton then, Ian, one of your form, actually it was the Ian Keatley Derby at the weekend, Benetton against Glasgow. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's another one this weekend, Benetton against Leinster, then, yeah, sure, obviously then there'll be Connacht against Leinster. <laughs> there are all these derbies that I've been involved in. But um, uh, on Benetton though, obviously, like you had your spell, your, what was it, 18 months or so in the end, and it was a kind of a good season. There was a bad season in there, and that was caught with COVID as well. Last season, things were quite mixed for them. They finished, I think it was around 13th in the table. Uh, and at times looked good. At to- like It was just very, very inconsistent. But they were very, very impressive against Glasgow the other night and like fully deserving of their victory. Like, Is this a season now where they, they should be looking to kick on? And if they're knocking around that kind of playoff bracket at the end of the season. Like that's a, that's a positive, a positive upturn for them. Yeah. I think the big thing with, with Benetton is um, they started the season really well last year, but what, what they need to keep building on. And that's why they try to bring in a lot of foreign players is when the six nations are on or the, the autumn internationals, they lose a lot of those Italian players. Mm-hmm. And then that's when they really rely on their, their squad depth. They, they almost lose half their team almost nearly 20 players odd to the Italian squad. So that's why they're they trying to boost it now this year, bringing in um, a few more farm players. Like they brought in Rhino Smith last year, who's probably been there, probably the league star player. He played incredibly, scoring some unbelievable tries. Um, so they, they have developed on. It's just to see how well they do actually in that period when they, they lose all their Italian players. And hopefully they've brought in a few players now during that time, that they can still stay strong uh, during that period. Marco Bortolami stepped up into the head coach role in the last couple of years. He, he would have been an assistant when you were there, wasn't it? What, yeah. what What is he like as a as a coach and as a character? So he's very, I'd, I'd say, dic- dictatorial. He it's it's his way or the highway, and I think he was uh, even when I was there, I I knew that he was he was trying to get that head coach job. So he's a uh, as I said, it's it's his way of the highway, which just like the Dean Ryan comments there about dragons, it can really work for you if you can get the players in behind you. But what happened last year, they lost two or three games. Then I knew that talking to the players that he's he gets he, he starts taking a lot more ownership. He's like, All right, we're doing it this way, this is the way it works. And as we said there, that can either go for you or can really backfire on you. And I think towards uh the latter half of last season, he, he kind of he lost the player. He lost the players, and the confidence went down. Now this year, obviously, it looks like they played some really good rugby against Glasgow, and confidence was on their side. And honestly, talking to those players, I remember we were playing Leinster. They don't they don't have that awe factor. They don't they actually probably wouldn't know half of the Leinster squad. They're very single minded. They they know too. They they obviously would have known Sexton or Furlong, but like some of the players that I remember going, oh, who's who's Gary Ringrose? And like they wouldn't, which kind of actually like they don't have that fear factor of like seeing the names on the on the um, 
um, who they're playing against and they don't have that fear factor because they don't know who the players are. So they just come out and play and they have a confidence. That's why they beat Glasgow on the weekend. Two or three years ago, they beat Glasgow at home and they just go, oh yeah, we can beat Glasgow. And it's it's, it's refreshing um, because they, they approach every match that, oh, we can win this. What's, what would you see as their ceiling, Birch, this season? I, I think there's going to be there thereabouts for top eight. Um, I think the way the league has gone, so Munster, Ulster, Leinster, um, Sharks, Stormers, Bulls, probably Edinburgh. Edinburgh spending, I think, seven million this year. So um, you know, they should be there thereabouts and, and are, uh, have some good players and have a good way of playing. So I think them, uh, so Glasgow, if they, Glasgow, not based on last weekend, no, there's no chance. But it, Glasgow, if they got back to where they used to be, um, obviously they made top eight last year. Treviso, Connacht, um, one of the Welsh teams, possibly Cardiff. They all should be fighting for that last set eight spot, and and that's might sound a bit negative. Maybe Keats thinks they should be higher, but uh, I think that's given the fact that they lose. Those, and there's less clashes this year in international rugby, but yeah, um, I think that's probably the the height of it. On Connacht, there you threw them into the mix. I'll touch on their game against Ulster at the weekend. How much of how much of that 36-10 result was down to good Ulster work? How much of it was down to bad Connacht mistakes? Um, I don't even think Ulster were that good, to be honest, on the night. I think um, Ulster have a lot more left in the tank. Um, and I think Connacht are in, a, in, for, in, a, in for a very difficult start to the season. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously Andy Friend's probably going home at the end of the year. So there's going to be a change there end of season. Um, it could be it could be very difficult for them. They finished last season. Okay, they won their last game, but last season petered out quite significantly. Um, they've obviously brought in quite a few players. Um, but I don't see them having the strength in the front five now. And um, if you don't have that, like you know, their their attack isn't even functioning to the level that it was. Um, you know, a year and a half ago. Um. Because they're more predictable now, uh, easier shut down. But if you don't have a front five in, in, in the Northern Hemisphere, it's very difficult to get wins. And um, they'll be really hoping they can catch the Stormers cold. Um, and, uh, you know, because I think as the season goes on, the Stormers will be stronger than Connacht. Um, and yeah, I, I'd worry about them, to be honest. Yeah, like I mean, they obviously lost against Ulster. They've got Stormers and Bulls over there. Then they come home. And if they don't get one of the results against South Africa, then if they're facing Munster, Munster Leinster. So those first five games, I don't want to be negative, but you could easily see them possibly losing all those those five games. But like now they are a completely different team when they have their internationals back, the likes of Beal and Prendergast, Aki, Carthy. Um, they, they need them as much as possible this year. And um, because when they don't have them, they're a completely different team and they, they don't fire as well. Birch, you said there, just when you were starting off, you think Andy Friend is probably going to be moving on at the end of the season. Is that where you see his step to the director of rugby role and Pete Wilkins coming in as head coach? Do you see that as essentially the kind of the succession planning for, for Andy Friend moving on? Well, look, I think look, the rumour is that he, he's possibly going back to Australia. Um, and you could see, like if you look at Andy Friend's career, he's done an incredible amount of travelling. You know what I mean? And this has been, I think, one of the longest stints he, he, he's had. But... I'm sure at some stage he, he wants to go home. Um, and uh, I look at it, it's, it's only it's only chat, but certainly that's the, the talk. And, and um, maybe maybe Pete Wilkins has a year to prove that he's he's the next head coach. Um, and I've no strong opinions on, on that. But 
it's it, I I do I think to be honest they're playing they're they're, they're you know they're fighting with an arm behind their back given the, some of the, the squad depth they have in, in key positions mainly front front five uh, I've said you know, I said before I thought they needed more power and they lost Papalihi Sammy Arnold and ultimately Lan you know um uh so yeah it's um it's that that's that's worrying for me uh, and I think as the league gets better there needs to be more investment in Connacht to give them the tools to to be a top eight side. I mean, I think it'd be brilliant for Irish rugby to have four provinces in top eight. Um, and with Connacht, you know, investing in a new stadium in the, in, in the near future, to be in the European Cup is a massive draw as well. You know, let's be honest, I'm not sure if Keats played in the Challenge Cup, but I did. Um, unfortunately, it's 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 not the same level. And for fans and sponsors as well, it's not the, the same. So the investment that if they could just get a little bit more investment to make them have a realistic chance of being Sorry, they have a realistic chance to make them more likely to be top eight, um, year on year. I think that'd be really good for our children. Yeah, and like as well as the squad depth, Ian. Like, there's also the fact that with the format of the URC, they are playing better teams more than some other teams are. You know, they have to play. They have to play the other three Irish provinces home and away. Whereas with the way the conferences are broken broken down, for example, like you you look at the 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 Italian Scottish conference where it, those sides are playing each other, you know, what two times each? Like that is a that is not a, that is not remotely as difficult a schedule as what Connacht are going to be facing taking on Ulster, Leinster, and Connacht home, on Ulster, Leinster, and Munster. I should say, sorry, home and away all season. Yeah, exactly. And Connacht are a bit like Munster; they're playing six six derbies before Christmas. Um, and we all know those derbies are fiercely competitive matches. But yeah, um, but how else do you? It's it's very hard. How else do you structure the the competition? Because it's it's all based pretty much around that Christmas time that the Irish promises and the Welsh promises they don't want to they don't want to travel away during that Christmas period. So that's why you have all the 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 derbies around that time. So, um, I I don't know how else you structure the competition, but it is a little you can see it is a little bit unfair that Glasgow and Edinburgh get to play zebra two or three times a season, and that's nearly what fifteen points if if it all goes well for you. Yeah, it's a it's it's a tough one to square. But on um one final point on Connacht then Birch, like this game this weekend against the Stormers in in Stellenbosch, moved from Cape Town. But how different do Connacht look? For example, like they will this weekend, where they probably have Bundyaki in the team. Matt Hansen's probably going to be back. Finley Beelham, Jack Carty's pretty much the only one of that first choice fifteen not available. And then also on the flip side, you've got the Bulls who are missing a couple of key players off away on Springbok duty, like Franz Mallerb. Stephen Kitchoff, Damien Villemse, like on paper, Connacht. Do, do, do you think they have a solid chance this weekend? Um, not really. No, not on paper. Look, no, I don't need to do. Um, I, I think it'd be a massive scalp, a massive surprise if they if they obviously have a chance. But uh, yeah. would, I, would I put my would I put a hundred euro on him? No, I wouldn't. Um, I think you have to fancy, um, you know, any South African team at home by the lines at, at the moment. Um, I think there should be. They they learned a huge amount from the early stage of last season, and at the end they were motoring nicely. The confidence they're going to get from having an All South African final, quality of the individuals, and and I think, like I know Connacht last year bounced off a bad result and went down and beat the Lions, and that was a, a phenomenal achievement for them. Um, but I think beating the Stormers or the or the Sharks, um, is is probably a step too. Stormers or Bulls or Sharks is probably a step too far at the moment. Mm-hmm. Ian, what do you think? Yeah, well, all we can do really is base like 
all, all we can base it on is what we saw from from the first match again against us, and that's what we're pretty much basing it on. And based on that, you, you can't really see them like like that that travel down as well. Like it, you have no idea that that really takes it out of you. The 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 travel, the time. That's that's probably your your mind is a pit session already in, in preparation. You're down. You're you're recovering from not only playing Ulster on the weekend, but you're recovering from a plane trip as well into very unfamiliar um like atmosphere and stuff like that it, it is it, it's tough going to to go down to South Africa and to be ready to pl- to play a stormers team even without those those players they're still it's still gonna be a very physical game and as Bert said do they have the firepower up front because you need to be you need to be pretty physical against those South African teams to to beat them yeah, that game is half past one on Saturday. Stormers against Connacht Live on RT2. Birch, Ulster, you mentioned like they probably didn't actually play particularly well at the weekend against Connacht. They're up against Scarlet this weekend. But I suppose we didn't see too much new from Ulster. It was it was more or less the same of what they, they were doing last season. But would you, if you were an Ulster fan, would you be taking comfort in the fact that they had a lot of games last season where they were in a similar position heading in late on and they got really, really wobbly. They got really shaky and nearly threw away a few results. They did they did throw away a couple of results in the final 10 minutes of matches. Would you take some bit of solace out of just how composed they were maybe in the last 15 minutes when they could have chucked it away? Yeah, I think so. And I think if you look at what Dan McFarland's trying to do, um, he's starting to develop more depth in, in, in the key positions. So now he has Herring and, and, and Tom Stewart. You know, he's got two very good hookers. Um, he's obviously brought in Tamanga Allen, um, so he's got another tight head on his on his on his, on his books. You know, Doak now has what a year and a half or two years experience, and him and John Cooney. You know, the, any any provincial any director would be would be happy with with those two, Madigan and Burns as well. So, um, and then obviously he keeps developing these young backs. So I think strength and depth um will be huge. I think that they they'll be absolutely bitter disappointed about how. They lost that opportunity to have a home final um, by losing to the Stormers in the last minute. Um, but all, all a coach can do is look to improve, you know, the team tactically, technically in terms of talent. And I think Dan has consistently done that. So um, I think they're going to be very dangerous off first phase strike attack. Um, and um, I think that they have a very good line of mall. Um, I think their scrum can do damage. Um, and I think they have enough power as well. You know, when you know, when you get like Vermeule and Timoney, um, McCluskey, uh, McCluskey on the ball, I think they can play the power game as well and be direct. So, um, I wouldn't. I I think they're, they're going to be thereabouts. I think they're the next best challenger to Leinster, in, in, from an Irish point of view, and should be confident that they can you know win most weeks against the Italians, the Scots, and, and and the Welsh. And obviously, being able to win your home games against South Africans, that'll that'll get you to the knockout rugby. I won't mention Stuart McCluskey because I know you spoke a good bit about him on, on Monday night on Against the Head, so I don't want to be repeating ourselves too much. One player I do want to bring up, though, uh, Marty Moore. is. T- tell me if I'm wrong or not. I- I'm confused. Why why isn't Marty Moore getting any kind of a look-in at international level with Ireland? Keith? That's your front row question. No, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, um, Marty Moore was obviously in the Irish connection and then obviously he went to, to Wasp, but like he would have been seen there as the next, like they, they, the Irish system always has a plan in place. So they obviously had Furlong and probably more for the future. And then Marty Moore just 
obviously got a great deal over in, in Watts, went over, didn't really work out. Well, he did. He, he, I think he got injured over there, but didn't really work out. And then he came back. So it could be the RFU just going, learn a lesson a little bit. Um, like, go go back with Ulster. He's playing well with Ulster now, but maybe it is the RFU trying to teach him a lesson. Don't don't leave the don't leave the system because um, it's our way or, or the highway. I, I, I don't know that, that yeah. could be one of the reasons, but like he's in an age where we're crying out for tight head props and you've got one up there in Ulster who's, 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 who's doing really well. Like surely he should be on, on the door, especially now that John Ryan has, has left to gone. He's gone to us. Um, you obviously have, you have Beelham, you have um, like Porter who's now moved to, to loose head and um, you have Furlong, like who's, who's next in line there? So, yeah, and, and look, I, if, I'll give my two cents. Like, you know, it, I don't think it's short-termism to be thinking about a player like Marty Moore. I know we're trying to always think long-term and you've someone younger like Tom O'Toole who has a great future ahead of him. But Marty Moore is 31 years of age. He's not, he's not an old player no. by any stretch of the imagination. And I don't know, personally, I think he's been playing some of the best rugby of his career in the last 12 months. He's... He gets on the ball a little bit. He he actually looks like he's capable of passing it around. So I think he's able to fit into the style of rugby Ireland have. So I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit at a at a loss as to why he's completely out of the picture. Yeah, I, look, I think um obviously there's been uh, frustrations around his um his mobility and his ability to um have a lot of um impact you know over the minutes that he plays. But there's certainly never been ever been any doubt about his ability to scrum. Um. And he's also a very good jackaler as well. He's kind of a little bit, little bit like Dennis Buckley in that, you know, he's very, very effective for, for his province, um, but yet seems to be um, not really flavoured a month in the Irish setup. I, I, I think Ian made an interesting point in that, you know, John Ryan leaving, um, it really does open up a, an opportunity because I, I think, you know, Stephen Archer has been a great servant to Munster, but I don't see him really pushing into the international setup and, and obviously Knox and, and Sa- Knox um, is highly rated. Salanoa um, is going away in this emerging trip, but they may struggle. Like Archer, maybe Munster's number one tight head, so that might struggle, uh, mean that they find it hard to get games. Whereas if Marty can, can start ahead of uh, Tamang Allen every week um, and just get some game time, he's had a lot of niggles as well. So I'd love to see Marty get five or six games in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if he does, and and he keep and he showed what he can do. I think it'd be you know foolhardy of Ireland not to consider him to be the third choice tight head for for Six Nations or a World Cup. Yeah, I certainly think he could be doing a lot worse. But look, that's my two cents on it. We'll move on from that. Uh, and before we finish up, I do want to bring up just the uh, the controversial all round game, all round Bledisloe game last week between New Zealand and Australia. So, Birch, I heard you during the week giving your thoughts on the the ending. And why you thought Matthew Raynell was absolutely well within his rights to be turning over that Australian penalty and giving New Zealand a scrum for for the time wasting. Ian, interested to hear your thoughts as an out half. You're standing there a minute to go in a match. You're under the pump. You get a penalty five ten meters out from your own try line. Are you are you trying to milk that clock? Are you listening to Matthew Raynell? Well, I think well, you are trying to milk the clock, but once again, you have to listen to to the ref, and you can actually see from one angle, right? It's looking at Bernard Foley, Bernard Foley, and you can see the two two of his own players in the background screaming at him, "Kick it, kick it, kick it!" So when even your own players are saying, "Come on," like I think I think he knew what he was kind of doing. So 
I think Renault was was completely right, and I I think it was good, good for him to do. In fairness, it's a big call to make, and a fair play to him for for making. And you you can even see after the match, he says sorry to Nick White. He goes, listen, I'm sorry, but they're the rules. And he tried to apologize, but then he didn't back down. He st- he stick to his guns, and I thought it was great. And maybe it's something that the game needs. Like like I, I know in those closing uh, periods if if the, the, a team is trying to wind in the clock and there's a scrum, they they reset, they reset, and there's like two minutes gone off the clock. So maybe it is something that the ref can do. It's like turn off the clock until it's set, until the ball's in, then it's it's time back on. And that's what Renal was trying to say. The minute I say time is back on, Foley, we want you to kick it. And he didn't kick it. And probably what did, it cost him the game. It's a good um, it's a good example, Birch, of the, the effectiveness of us being able to hear the referee out on the pitch because... We were able to all hear him telling Bernard Foley, play now, you play, come on, play. We were also able to hear him say it multiple times during the match to him during that double yellow card period in the first half. So it's, you know, if if that referee mic didn't exist, I would say most of us would probably be thinking, why on earth is Matthew Reynald just penalising that now in the 79th minute? Yeah, no, it gives us really good background to it. And I thought the conversation afterwards was interesting where... Mm. You know, he basically... Um, if you don't think I'm capable of doing this. <laughs> <laughs> he stuck his chest out and said, oh, you know, I have I have big kahunas. But um, and look at it, having spent five years with French referees, they can make big calls. Um, their understanding of the rule book might be great, but they they have a character anyway. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. Now, I think Australia just need to suck it up now. Um, they were, they definitely played their part in it, whether, whether they feel they were harshly treated or not they they gave him ample um opportunity to to punish them and, and he did so um that rugby championship this year it's so up and down um it's it's very exciting to watch but i'll tell you what i, I don't think there's a year out from world cup i don't think it's ever been as even um in terms of you know seven or eight teams who who potentially could could win us and very little between them yeah, and just one little bit then that just cropped up overnight, Birch, around Australia as well, is I see Darcy Swain obviously has his sighting hearing pretty much going on right now. So he's going to find out in the next few hours whether or not he's picking up a suspension for that fairly awful, I don't even want to call it a tackle on Quinn Tupia. But I found it interesting, Birch, to see he's been included on Australia A's three-game series against Japan in October. Um. I look. It just seems to me that is a pretty cynical attempt to, to just time waste effectively, which is what they were uh, accused of doing last week. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, look, the the Aussies at the moment feel everyone's against them, um, and I think that like it's poor form for them. It's it's pretty obvious what they're trying to do. But look at everybody, all unions, all teams, try and push the laws to the to the absolute limits, um, and that's just the way the game has gone, unfortunately, and and. Um, that honour and respect isn't as, as probably as strong as it used to be so probably something more that we just need to try and grab a hold of because it'd become a little bit farcical if if we if we see you know letters letters in about results and things like that to the world rugby when you know the evidence is that the referee I, I, I certainly feel he was right yeah, yeah certainly was uh, well guys we'll finish up there and 
I'm sure we'll be speaking to you all very, very soon. So games this weekend, we get Leinster against Bennett on Friday night. We have Ulster away to the Scarlets on Saturday, as well as Stormers against Connacht. That game is on RT2, as is Dragons against Munster this Sunday afternoon at three o'clock on RT2. So Bernard and Ian Keatley, thanks a million for joining us. Ian, if we're not speaking to you before the season starts, good luck in uh, Division 2A this season, except in the games against Old Present. I am only human after all. But uh, we hope you've good. If it's going well, you hear about it on social media. Yeah, look, we need we need more Limerick clubs back in the back in the higher tiers of back in Division One B and One A as well. All right. Exactly. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Thanks man. Man.